Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526. That's right. That's a perfect way to get your questions answered today or any other, any other Saturday morning. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't work too well during the week, but other avenues available to you for that. That's right. We sure do. Just go to the website. I thought you were going to take that. I know. <laughs> I just threw that little ball over there to you, man. Yep. I, I just flat missed it. <laughs> just in case you don't care to be on the air or something occurred to you during the week, always that's, log on our website. That's right. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that is to take the acronym Altazan's Garage Company. There's a contact bar on every page. We'll send you to a form on the page. Fill that out and send it to Lewis and... He'll get your questions back within 24 hours, sometimes sooner. Oh, yeah, most of the time within a couple of hours because I spend so much time in front of a computer that I'm normally there where I can get to the email pretty easily. Uh Occasionally, let's say I'm on vacation or off on a holiday somewhere. It may be a little bit longer because I don't check my email constantly when I'm (laughs) laying on the beach. There you go. But within 24 hours, you're going to get an answer back. So That's the best way to get your questions answered. That's absolutely right. And while you're on that site... Don't just use that one feature because there are literally dozens of other things. Very, very interesting and very informative. The detailed topics we kind of mention every week uh-huh. because it's kind of the meat and potatoes of the whole site, I would say. There's a tremendous amount of information on a single topic. For instance, this morning, one went online on anti-lock brakes, and it's the second of a two-part series. Last week, I put one on on the wheel speed sensors and how they work, the active sensors, the passive sensors, and uh-huh. so on. This week is on the hydraulic modulator, which is sort of the heart of the ABS. Which actually makes it work. Does all the stuff. Right. (laughs) In technical terms. Yeah, what it modulator does is it allows an electrical device like the computer, the EBCM, electronic brake control module, to control hydraulics, which is what stops the car or what actuates the things that stop the car. It can actually pulse the brakes faster than you can in a panic situation, which makes the car... Right. Yeah, what it actually does is that it can sense when a wheel starts to lock up, block the pressure to that wheel so that it can regain speed and also bleed the pressure off. And with the hydraulic pump that it has on, it can actually supplement the brake pedal pressure. That's why modern ABS units, the pedal doesn't drop off like it did on earlier ones. Early Uh cars with ABS, when you applied the brakes and went to an ABS stop, your brake pedal would drop about two inches and people would have a heart attack. Oh, yeah. The modern cars, or more modern cars, I guess I should say, actually have a pump on board, which will pump the pressure back up, which keeps your pedal at a more consistent height. So you won't get a tremendous drop in the pedal like you used to on the older cars. And They keep refining and making these things more and more effective, I guess. Another thing that you'll learn in this article, a lot of people get really, really nervous when an analog brake light comes on. Oh, my God, am I going to lose my brakes? Well, the answer to that is no. On all of your modern systems, they are what they call add-on systems as opposed to the earlier integrated type systems. Right. So when that system fails electrically, you have a full regular brake. It's got springs in the valves that will push them to a default position, which is basically bypass. Correct. So So the regular brakes still work just like they always did. It more or less just ignores anti-lock function when it goes down. Right. When the light comes on, the anti-locks... Will not operate like they're supposed to. Right. What it will do instead is that fluid will flow directly through the modulator out to the wheels just just as though it were not there. Exactly. The only problem you can get in that is if you have a corroded system or a contaminated system where you hadn't changed the brake fluid, 
the valves can stick, and that can cause some issues where you may get a brake pull one way or the other if it uh -huh. blocks that port, so on and so forth. So real good in-depth article on anti-lock brakes, even if you're not interested in fixing your own car, just so you can kind of understand how they work. Give you some information on how to prevent problems with them because some of those anti-lock modulators can be anywhere from a thousand to two thousand dollars right. to the, replace. The first ones that came out just worked off the rear wheels. That's right. And then they upgraded and went to a four wheel anti. Mm -hmm. And when they did, they went to a whole new modulator valve. Mm -hmm. And I can remember it coming out somewhere around ninety nine two thousand. They were almost they were nine hundred and almost a thousand dollars just yeah. for the unit. Well, and even today, take like the Chevrolet pickup truck Silverado series. The little part that goes bad is just basically the the, the electrical part. Yes, yeah, electronic brake control module with the solenoids in it, and just that one little part is nine hundred dollars. That's now, right. That's not the hydraulic part of it. Right. It actually unbolts from the hydraulic right. part. Right. Hydraulic part is probably another nine hundred dollars. So you're talking almost two thousand dollar component if this thing goes out, and it's fairly easy by keeping your brake fluid clean and changed because it does contaminate over time right you can prevent a lot of these problems oh most definitely so that's just one of the things you might find on the site of course there's tons of other things while you're on there you might want to go ahead and register as well and all registration is you can either go in and just put your name and make up a username uh -huh. and put a password it'll send an email to you and you just hit yes i did send this so it confirms that yes you own that email and then you're registered. You can do whatever you want. It just kind of establishes that you are a person. If you don't want to do that, you can also, if you've got a Facebook account or a Google account or a Yahoo account or AOL or even Windows Live account, uh -huh. you can log in through those. And use your same password. And right. All you, well, you don't even have to have anything. All you do is click on that, log into their site, and it'll automatically log into our site. Great. It just shares the same information. And it'll ask you, do you want to share this with Echo Auto? Just hit yes, and you're done. You're online. So there's real real easy to do and that gives you a lot of new things on the site that you're not going to see if you're not logged on correct for instance you can use our reminder feature we can send a reminder to yourself it's got lots of other things another thing is at the bottom of all of our articles you can write a comment on the article whether you like it or dislike it agree with it disagree with it or want to add other information to it you can go in just click that contact button and you can post a comment if you are logged on right so one of those real good things to do, go ahead and get registered, get online. We'll sure appreciate you being there. It's www.agcoauto.com. We'll <laughs> go to our phone lines. We've got Sid online. Good morning, Sid. Good morning, Lewis. Thank you very much for uh, all you do on your uh, on your show here. Well, thank hey, you. Uh, I've got a 94 Camry, and uh, my wife's a little bit unhappy with me right now because okay. I decided to clean it for her. Uh -huh. And I got a dashboard clock, and when I touched that thing, it went sliding back into the dashboard. Okay. Now, do I have to take that whole dashboard apart in order to be able to get to the back of it and try to resecure it, or is there a, is there any trick that you know of to get back in there? See, I would have to see it to tell you, but almost every one of those go in from the front, and there's some little plastic clips of some sort that hold them in place. I don't know of any that you have to pull the dash to repair or get to, but again... Now, you may have to pull the dash to get it back out of there. A piece of the dash, <laughs> right. yeah. Is it right above the radio? Yeah, yeah, it's just right above the radio. You there. might be able to take the radio out mm -hmm. and reach in there from the backside, kind of up, and get to the back of it and push it back forward. I'm not real okay. sure on that model, but that would be my first guess yeah. is to go from I, behind the radio. I think the radio. the radio comes out fairly easily on that one, Sid, and I think you can reach in from behind and get it. And there's some little plastic chuchuts in there. One of them may have broken off, but I'm sure you could probably fashion something else to hold it in place. 
Okay, I think that sounds good. I can lay down there in the car and reach up and touch the back end of it, but uh-huh. I'm about an inch short on my fingers to actually <laughs> do I tell you, working under those dashes are really, really tough. I never was good at that kind of work. I've got a guy in the shop who's excellent at it, and he does most of them. Brian and I are more uh, frame-type guys. <laughs> yeah, my hands are too big. My hands and arms are too big to work under the dash real efficiently. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. Yeah, that's hold on, Sid, and she's going to get your name and address, and I'll get an Agco T-shirt. You calling from Washington State? Yes, I am. Oh, wow, great. That's great. Great. Glad to hear from you. Yeah, just hold on. Give her your name and address and whatever size preference and an email address where I can get in touch with you, and I'll get an Agco T-shirt out to you. Okay. Thank right. you much. Thanks, Sid. Bye-bye. Four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. Just go ahead and give us a call. And if you happen to be out of town, like Sid, why don't you go ahead and give us a call? We love hearing from folks who listen to us on all the different media, whether it's on iTunes or iHeart or Stitcher or whatever means whatever, you use you to go. listen. <laughs> yeah, give us a call. We always enjoy hearing from you. And so, that area code is two two five. Right. We'll get you right here to our station. That's to- right. Four nine 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 five two six is the number, and two two five right in front of that. We're kind of sort of trying to get an eight hundred number going here, but yeah, of course, with, it's still in the works. Yeah, with cellular phones, it's not quite as important. It's not like a big deal. I remember when I was a kid. Oh, oh man, yeah. it's long distance. Yeah, talk fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Use code. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not quite as big a deal now because almost everybody has some sort of a free long right. distance plan. Most, yeah, most of that's covered under your cell phone bill that's right so in certain ways in one way or another yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's covered we'd say it's free it's covered yeah, it. it's in there that's it like the old ragu day it's in there yeah <laughs> i still use that line today we do get a number of callers from outside of the baton rouge area of course starting out 22 years ago we were strictly a little local show and we are still primarily a baton rouge show but Correct. we are trying to branch out spread our wings just a little bit so <laughs> Yeah, any calls that you give us from outside the area are much, very much appreciated. And let's see, we're going to go back to our phone lines. We've got Eddie online. Good morning, Eddie. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Yes, sir. Good morning. Good show. Thanks, Thank sir. Thank you. Listen, uh, I want to get some ideas on the difference between a timing belt and a timing chain. Okay. Because I got a, yeah, I called once before. I have a 96 uh, 1500 Chevy van. Yes, and I'm, I'm getting close to 200,000 miles on uh-huh. it. And I know the, uh, I always like the, the smaller, it's a 305, mm-hmm. you know, the smaller V8s. Yes, sir. And I'm sure that has a timing chain. It does. As opposed to a belt. And I remember my mother had a small uh, Escort Ford, had a timing belt. And right. And popped off one yeah. time. Yeah, right. But, yeah. Uh, is there any indication of the timing chain that maybe is going to yeah. get bad? Is it a warning or should I, is it pretty strong as opposed to the belt? Yes, sir. And you know, the answer, Eddie, actually depends on the type of vehicle we're talking about. To answer yeah. your question immediately on your vehicle, on 305 Chevy small block, you can forget about timing chain. It's a roller chain, double tooth. It is going to last life of that vehicle. Yeah. I have never seen one go bad on a Chevy truck because it uses steel gear on the cam and a steel gear on the crank. And it's a double, like two bicycle chains put together. Right. I have never seen one go bad. Now, on some of the cars, they used an aluminum sprocket with nylon gear teeth, and those would jump timing at some point. But again, I would never go in and replace a timing chain on a maintenance basis just because the cost would be way more than the risk. Let's say you had a leak in the front timing cover, and you had to take timing cover off to repair it. Well, yeah, go ahead and change the chain while you're there. That's a no-brainer. Yeah. But I would not ever just go and change the timing chain. Now, a belt is a whole nother matter. A belt has a life. It's going to last seven years, generally maximum, and the mileage interval varies from car to car. 
Some are 60, some are 90, some are even up to 105,000 now, but the seven years is a critical issue. A belt is going to dry rot over time and it's going to break. And when it breaks, it's going to be catastrophic. But on that particular engine, I would not be concerned at all. I have seen those engines with 350 and 400 and never have a timing chain issue. And especially. So even the newer trucks, even today, the V8s, they all have timing chains too? Yes. Right. Yes, even the 5.3 and the 6.0, they all use a chain. Really, the only engines that use belts any longer are some of the Asian cars and. There may be a few European cars that do. I don't work on Euros, so I'm not as familiar with those. But even the Asian cars are getting away from belts. Like your Toyotas dropped them on the four-cylinder in 04, and I think on the six-cylinder in 05 or 06, when they went to the 3.5, they dropped the belt in favor of a chain. Now, and even the uh, Honda did the same thing. Right. The chain is actually on your vehicle goes just from the crankshaft just right. to the camshaft. But on the newer cars with the overhead camshafts, the chains actually stretch from the crank up over some pulleys and around, mm-hmm. and they're actually work off of a hydraulic tension. Right, because a much longer chain with an right. overhead cam engine. Yours is an overhead valve, so that's a little short chain. Right. All right? It's, uh, yeah, I guess as long as I use the recommended oil in there, I don't You're going to be good? Yes, sir. Well, or just the uh, typical uh, 10W. Yeah, I tell you, if you want to hold on, I'm up against a break. Hold on, yeah. I'll be right back with you. All right, we're going to take a quick little break and be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Okay, look, you've been at the Red Box for 10 minutes and you've got about 30 movies. Yeah, you roll in here with that car with the brakes screeching and the bald tires, and then you ask to cut in line because you're in a hurry. Look, it is 2012, and according to the Mayan calendar, the world ends on December 21st. So I'm trying to watch all the movies I can before then. So no car repairs either, right? Who's got time for that? Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. So, no car maintenance? All movies till December 21st? Yep. I'm stocking up on all the classics, too. Gone with the Wind, Citizen Kane, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Squeakwool. <laughs> I, already saw the first I knew he was crazy. Yep. Want to learn more about why AGCO is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Welcome back. Just join us as the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we're going to try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call, 499-9526. And I don't know if we got completely answered with the last call or not, but you were saying about the timing chains. Right. The timing chains on a 4.6 and a 5.4 are extremely long, and they work off of a hydraulic tensioner, which Mm -hmm. works off of oil pressure. Mm -hmm. And if you use the wrong oil Mm -hmm. in the engine, tensioners do not operate properly. They get slack in them when you first crank it up, and they'll slap around. They'll actually break the tensioner. Yeah, a cheap oil filter will do the same thing. Correct. Those cheap off-brand oil filters may not have a drain bag valve. The oil drains to the pan, so when you crank it up, it cranks up dry. Right. You have no Yanks on the chain, and these are the things that cause big problems those are overhead cam engines rather than overhead valve engines, correct which more and more engines are overhead cam these right days that's what they're now, going seem to be going to yeah well they get more performance more out of them yeah so let's go back to our phone lines mike hey mike go ahead you so soon i've got a 1993 ford ranger uh-huh. pickup, yes sir and it won't start my son was driving it. It only had 80,000 miles on when I bought it about four months ago. Yes, sir. And we've replaced the, the clutch, the water pump, and the head gasket. Uh-huh. He was driving through Baton Rouge, and it, it quit on him and will not start. 
Okay, Mike, let me ask you a question. This may sound dumb, but we get this all the time. When you say don't start, when you turn the key, does it crank over and it, won't start? Yeah. It cranks, but it acts like it's not getting fuel. Okay, yeah, because, see, a lot of people say don't start, and they mean it won't crank, and so and that's a whole different issue. Mike, what you're going to have to do on that one, there's not a whole lot you can be able to check yourself, only because you can't see if it's getting fuel or not. You can't see most of the things. Does it have plug wires or does it have call packs on that one? I really don't know. You're going to need to find that out. I believe that one's got a call pack, if I'm not mistaken. What year model is it? 93? 93. 93. No, that's going to have uh, wires on it. Yeah, so I say, I believe it's got a big call with wires on it. If you can pull one of those plug wires off, hold it close to the terminal so you can see a gap, have him Uh crank the truck and see if you see a good hot blue spark jumping. Okay. Okay, that's the first thing to do. Now, if you've got a good hot blue spark, you can forget the ignition, you can forget everything in the ignition because it's firing. That means okay. you know the cam sensor's good, you know the crank sensor's good, you know the call's good. You've just eliminated a whole bunch of stuff that you can start changing and not go anywhere. So do that first because you can do that very, very easily. If you got spark, the next thing you're going to need to do is to have someone check the fuel pressure for you. And you have to have a special gauge to do that. That's not anything you'll be able to do yourself because not only does it have to have fuel pressure, but it has to have a specified amount of fuel pressure. So check the fuel pressure. Now, if the fuel pressure is low or there's no fuel pressure, obviously now we're into a fuel system problem. But going in and changing the fuel pump hoping to fix it is just absolutely worse than wasting your money. Because there's tons and tons of things. There's an inertia switch on that truck. Someone could have bumped the truck and inertia switch is tripped, which will keep the fuel pump from running. There's a fuel pump relay. There's on and on and on and on and on. Now, if you've got fuel pressure, then the next thing you have to check is the timing of all the components so that you know they're actually firing when they should. For instance, you have to check the pulse on the injectors. And that's pretty simple. It's a little tool called a Noid light. You can plug it into the injector harness and it'll, it'll flash when the injector fires. Now, if you got fuel, you got spark, and you got pulse, the only thing left is going to be compression. It is possible it's jump timing or something like that, and again, that's going to probably be out of your realm to be able to check. Is it an overhead valve or an overhead cam engine, or do you know? I don't know. It's just it's the V6 engine. Okay, well, look, because it could be, if it's a 4-liter, it could be an overhead valve or overhead cam. If it is the overhead cam engine, what you can do is you can remove the oil filler cap and look down in there, and you'll be able to see the camshaft. Crank the engine and see if that camshaft is turning. And if the camshaft is not rotating, then it's probably jump timing. Okay. Okay, but that's some things you could check yourself. But beyond that, you're going to be way, way cheaper to tow that into a shop. Within an hour, we could tell you what's wrong with it. And you could spend untold hundreds of not thousands of dollars changing parts, and you're not ever going to get close to the problem. Yeah. Well, I'm, I was supposed to tell you I'm calling from Mount Prospect, Illinois. My brother-in-law is the <laughs> one that told me about the show. He's oh, in Baton Rouge. Well, great. great. Well, find a good shop. I tell you, Mike, go to our website, and there's an article okay. on the front page called How to Find a Great Shop. Okay. Read that article, and that's going to give you a lot of guidance on where to go. But those are the things that you want to check in that order. But check and see if it's firing first off, because that would be fairly simple. You could have a cam okay. sensor or something like that that's gone bad. You could probably replace yourself. But if you got spark, forget about all that. Then have someone check fuel, and that'll be a real inexpensive test for you. And if you got spark and you got fuel, then it gets way more complicated. But check okay. those items, see what that does. And hang on, I'll see if I can't get an Agco t shirt out to you. Okay. Hold on, Mike.
Did I cut him off? Oh, darn, I'm sorry. I cut him off. If you just call right back, I'll get that information. I'll get an Agco t-shirt right out to you. Hey, we've got to take one more quick little break. and we'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Clint, what's with the huge crate? My 120-inch Platinum 3D TV. Splurging, huh? I'm putting it all on the credit card, and since the Mayan calendar predicts the world ending December 21st, I'll never have to pay it back. That would explain the giraffe and elephant in your backyard. Have you thought about fixing your car, buddy? Your old one is in pretty bad shape. Leaking oil, screeching brakes... My car can make it to December. Plus, I need money to complete my set of life-size Star Wars action figures. Yoda is an expensive one, he is. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. You know, if your car won't run, you can always ride your elephant. Great idea. Let me Google elephant license. Uh, Okay, you know I was joking, right? Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, try to answer any automotive question you might have. Just give us a call. It's 499-9526. And we have got Don's been patiently holding. Good morning, Don. Welcome to the show. Hey, Greetings from Washington State. All right. All right. <laughs> Another one. I'm telling you. How, how many guys y'all got out there, man? Enough. You, you can you hear me with any accent? Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, I've got a 98 Ford Ranger with 270,000 miles. Okay. And last year, the uh, rear end started groaning, so I had to have it rebuilt. Uh-huh. Okay. Ring and pinion, and the, they replaced all the, the bearings and yes, whatnot. Yes, mm-hmm. Anyway, ever since then... There's still a bit of a noise when it, I'm at, at part throttle, like in fourth gear. Kind of like a whine? Yeah. Yeah, when you accelerate, it's there. When you let off, it goes away? They told me that's normal. Is that no, no, absolutely never? not. It's no- <laughs> it's usual, but it's not normal, no. Right. Don, the number of folks who can set up a rear end properly is very, very limited. That is an extreme specialty. And what they call the backlash and the pattern on the gears has got to be precise. What most guys do is they will take the old bearings and stuff out and put the same number of shims in there reassemble it and sometimes that works and a lot of times it doesn't if the mesh on those two gears is not perfect you get gear wine and what gear wine is like you said when you accelerate you'll get and when you let off it goes away that is damaging to the gears and eventually the two gears will fail but it's definitely not normal it's very, very difficult to get that done properly. And the worst news is that once it starts, if you drive it around for any length of time, the gears will be damaged to the point that they'll always be noisy. Even if you go back and set it up properly, they're going to be noisy. Yeah. So I put about 20,000 miles. Yeah, on. yeah, those yeah. gears are done. I would take it back, Don, if there's any kind of warranty and try to get them to warranty that for you and have them replace the gears again. And you can tell them that is not normal. I mean, the truck didn't do that when it was new. I've got a guy here in town uh, named Earl Zimmer who basically breathes and lives gears, and he can do them just absolutely perfect. We use him a lot just because I can't find anyone else who can actually set up a set of gears like that, but he's one in a million. But it's very difficult to find anybody who can do that job properly. Really? And it's, it's, now you say it's something that could be adjusted 
it can be adjusted, but if it's gone for 20,000 miles, the gears are going to have a pattern on them, and that okay. pattern is a wear pattern, which will make them continue to make noise even after the problem that caused it is corrected. Okay. Well, this, this shop I deal with, they have a good reputation. Yeah. They've been around about 30 years. So and they- Don, I can tell you, it may make that noise for a long, long, long time and not go out, but it is going to yeah. shorten the life of the gears. Now, when I say shorten, Normally, gears that are set up properly, running in clean oil, pretty much last life of the truck. It yeah. may shorten it to 100,000 miles, so that may be acceptable. Okay. But the fix is going to be to go back through, basically redo the whole job with new gears. Yeah, plus a set of new gears. Mm-hmm. Roughly, what would that be? I mean, I had, I had all the, the bearings and all replaced. Would, would it just having the gears? The Ford gears, you'd have to call a Ford dealer and find out. If I'm not mistaken, the last set I bought was about $400 for the two gears. And okay, you're probably, yeah, you're probably talking another eight or $900 labor and bearings and seals. So probably somewhere in yeah. the $1,500, $1,600 range. I would probably talk to them about it, address your concerns. Maybe they'll do something like give you an extended warranty on it where, hey, if it does break, we'll cover it. And that may be a win win for both of you. You've got some assurance because other than a minor annoyance, you know, it's not that bad. It's just if it fails again and it's out of warranty, you don't want to bite the bullet on it. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All righty. Well, nice talking to you. Okay, Don, hang on, and I'll see if I can get you an Agco T-shirt out. Oh, perfect. Hold on, man. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got John online. Good morning, John. Good morning, Lewis. How are you? Doing great, sir. Got a question for you. I have you a 2000 Grand Marquis. Uh-huh. 135,000. Okay. For the past couple of months, there's been several occasions when I would get in the car and cut on the lights. Uh-huh. There would be a delay. Uh-huh. And the lights coming on. Yes, sir. And last week it took several minutes. Yes, so sir. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're aware they call it a I guess an LCM a light <laughs> like so modular. Yes, sir. Is that something that you work on? Yes, sir. The lighting control module on the Crown Vic and Grand Marquis and Town Car has had a fair amount of trouble in my experience, and they're very expensive. They're over $400 for the part. We have been able to repair some of those. John, what we do is actually, there's what they call a SCR that fails in it, which is electronic relay, basically. We go in and actually put a mechanical relay soldered into the board, which seems to work a whole lot better, and it's way cheaper than buying a new module. I just have to see if that is the part that failed on yours, we can repair it. If not, I can replace it. Okay, well, good. That's what I wanted to know because it's strange because if you pull the stalk back, mm-hmm. you can actually get the bright lights to come on. Yes, yeah, so that goes to a separate circuit. And everything else seemed to work, but I thought I was in Hammond when it happened, and uh-huh. I thought I was going to have to get somebody to come get me, but after five or ten minutes, they, they come on. Yes, yeah, so you just got lucky. What it is, the circuit, that SCR starts to fail, and under certain conditions, it just doesn't energize when you pull the lights on. But kind of an example of modern cars, what's going on is that you're not controlling anything any longer. Nothing is an analog switch. It's all a digital pulse, which goes to a module with a computer, even the headlights. You know, you're not actually in control of turning your headlights on anymore. <laughs> yeah. A lot of complexity for nothing, man. Well, good. I'm going to bring it in next week. Will I need to leave it? or? If the, the- yeah, I would need you to leave it with me. And just call Lane. She can set you up a time, and we can get it all taken care of for you. Lewis, I appreciate it. Right, I, enjoy you, I enjoy your program. Well, thank you for calling, sir. All right. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we're going back to our phone lines with Tony. Good morning, Tony. Hey, yes, sir. How are you doing? Doing great, sir. Great. 
hey, I've got a 2005 Nissan Titan, uh-huh. and I just can't seem to keep front rotors on this truck. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about what's going on? Or, yes, sir. Or- There's a number of things that make brake shutter a whole lot worse, Tony. And, of course, the rotor warping is a symptom. It is not a problem. Okay. It's a problem to you, but it's not the problem. There's a source of why it is warping. And if you merely turn a rotor or if you put a new rotor, it's only going to fix it for a while. you got to address the original problem. Now, the first thing that I would look at is the type of brake pad that you're using. If you're not going back to a Nissan dealer and buying the pads to put on there yourself or having a shop do that, you're going to have nothing but brake problems. The aftermarket pads are made real hard to last a long time, and they do not mm-hmm. remove enough heat. So one of the most common causes we see of brake rotor warpage is aftermarket brake pads. Okay. Nissan's got an updated pad. I would use that pad. Number right. two, you got to make sure the rear brakes are working fine because what most people say, man, I keep eating up front brakes, I keep warping front rotors. Well, how's rear brakes? Oh, they look great. Look like brand new. Well, they look like new because they're not working. Because if they were working, they'd be wearing just like the fronts are. So the rears can get way out of adjustment. Only time the rear brakes actually adjust is when you use the parking brake. And you have to use the parking brake properly to make it adjust. It's not a dual servo brake. It's a leading trailing brake. So what you would have to do, if you pull your parking brake right now, most likely it'll come all the way up without very little tension. That means the rear brakes are way out of adjustment. When that occurs, the front's doing all the stopping. Now, they are adequate to stop the car or truck but they will take a heavy toll because they're doing way too much work. You need to take the rear drums off, clean everything, lubricate everything, and adjust them properly, and that will help a great deal. Okay. Now, okay. go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, now, when you say the rear drums, I mean, this is a four-wheel disc. Okay, well, okay. if it's four-wheel disc, then you're not going to have a problem with that. Most of them had a disc drum set up. But you still want to make sure the rear disc are doing their fair share of stopping. A lot of trucks, and I don't know for sure on Titan, but a lot of trucks have what they call a height compensating valve in the rear, where when height of the truck changes, in other words, when you put a load in the truck right. and it starts to go down, it puts more braking to the rear. And that valve can get out of adjustment or it can get bad or loose or whatever. And when that happens, it does not put any pressure to the rear. So a lot of times we find front brake problems are actually rear brake problems. Oh, I see. Well, see, I was looking at a front brake problem, mm-hmm. but it could very well be that the rears are not pulling their fair share. Very often it is. We do an awful lot of brake work, and that is one of the things we find a lot is that the problem is actually in the rear of the vehicle rather than the front. Right. So bad. I've even got to the point where I have actually have a alternate set of rotors. <laughs> wow. And, I mean, really, I can go through a set of, of pads in probably three to five months. Yeah, and you want to make sure that the caliper slides in the front are lubricated properly, sliding properly. You might want to go on my website and just type in the word brake shutter, and there's a two-article set of nothing but that information that'll cover a whole lot more things for you. Well, if I decided to say, hey, look, I'm going to come and bring this to you guys Mm -hmm. and to look and diagnose and see what's going on here. I mean, is this a very expensive process? Normally not. Generally, in an hour or less, we can diagnose the problem for you. Okay. All right. When you go into a shop, you need to tell them the problem you're having. Yeah. Don't just say, my brakes are shutting in the front. Right. Tell them the history of it. Yeah, give them some information. That way the technician can go right to what he's looking for. And sure. both of you will be extremely happy yep. in the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a fine truck. Yeah. The problem is I just, just can't keep, seem to keep these front brakes from, right. from, right. from right. prematurely wearing. Yep. All right, man. Okay. We appreciate you, Kyle. Yes, sir. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
Alright, we're going to take one final little break and we'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Hey, Clint, what's that? Take a look. It's my bucket list of things to do before the world ends. Okay. According to the Mayan calendar, the world goes kaput on December 21st, 2012. I got lots to do, neighbor. Uh, bog snorkeling? Punch a whale? Compete in the World Toe Wrestling Championship? I've seen meet Julia Roberts is scratched off. Yeah, got her autograph, too. Really? Well, it's on the restraining order. Hey, shouldn't repair my car be on the list? What? Your, your brakes, they're constantly squealing, it shimmies and shakes and leaking oil all over I the think I can make it to December. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. Hey, um, isn't this one here illegal? Not in Tijuana, my friend. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between the two of us, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Just go ahead and give us a call. We'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And we've got Terry has been patiently holding. Good morning, Terry. Hey, good morning. Yes, good morning. sir. I have a quick question about spark plug wires. You bet. I have a 97 Honda Civic, and a set of wires from the dealership runs about 100 bucks. Okay. I was told not to invest that kind of money in spark plug wires instead of get a set that maybe costs 20 or 30 bucks. I would disagree with that. Okay. Probably, Terry, those plug wires, even at that age, are still good. Yeah, we hardly ever. Yeah, the, re those the wires. reason they cost a hundred bucks because they last forever. They're great wires. If everybody could make plug wires the way Toyota and Honda does, we would have no problem. Probably the wires you would be taking off are better than the wires you'd be putting back on. So unless there is a bad plug wire, just leave them alone. Don't fool with them. If you got to fool with them, if one of them's cut or burned or something like that, go back to the dealer and buy the wires. You're gonna be a whole lot happier because it's gonna be a whole lot cheaper for you. The car has. I think about 185,000 mm -hmm. miles. Yes, sir. Yeah, they're still good? I Absolutely. Mean, okay. I've seen them with 300,000 miles, original plug wires on them. Okay. Yeah, the plug wires, unless they are bad, do not change. See, that's the mistake that do-it-yourselfers make all the time. They go in and say, well, I'm going to change these plug wires. Well, why? Well, they're old. So what? The whole car's old, you know? Then they go buy a set of cheap junk wires that aren't near as good as the ones they're taking off. Now the car really runs bad. It starts missing, it burns up a catalytic converter, check engine light pops on it, bring it to me. Well, now I need a set of plug wires and a catalytic converter. <laughs> so, yeah, if it's not missing or anything, leave those wires alone. They're fine. They're better than the ones you're going to be buying. Okay, appreciate that. All info. right, Terry. All right. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour. And we've got Don's been patiently holding. Good morning, Don. Yes, sir. Uh, getting back on brakes, I have a 2010 Ford F-150 yes, pickup. And it's the brakes squeal, and they've squealed pretty much almost the whole time I've had it. I understand a moisture thing on the pads, so I bring it to Ford, and they tell me, well, you have Ford pads on there, and what you need is motorcraft. Oh, no, I, not at all. And <laughs> that's not so, because I just paid for your Ford pad. Right. So anyway, I bring it to them, and, and they go to do something. They say, well, the pads and everything are good. We're just going to scuff them. No. So they charged me $150 oh, and did nothing. Yeah. So, uh, have you ever heard of that? I mean, uh, I hear of it all the time when we fix them. <laughs> Don, you need to bring out somebody knows what they're doing. You're not ever going to get that kind of stuff fixed for the most part in a dealership. Anybody that would tell you that, you just need to run like the devil. 
Brake noise is vibration. Okay. There's a vibration, and the reason there's a vibration is because you're cramming a pad against a rotor that's turning. There's going to be vibration. The way that is addressed is there's a high-temperature lubricant that's supposed to be on the backside of those brake pads between that and the caliper. What that does, it doesn't stop the vibration, but it allows the pad to move without vibrating. Now, the first time you brought it in for service, some doofus took a can of brake cleaner and sprayed all over those brakes, cleaned all the lubricant off, and then that's when they started squealing. The Motocraft pad is nothing but an aftermarket pad in a Motocraft box. You want the original equipment Ford pad. The reason they try to sell the Motocraft is because that's what they stock. I know because I buy the Ford pads every day. I got one dealer here in town that stocks them for me. All the rest of them are going to try to switch you to Motocraft. They must make a whole lot more money on them, I guess. Because none of them want to stock the real pads. Yeah, I had one guy tell me, well, nobody buys there. They're too expensive. I said, I'm trying to buy them right now. You ain't got them. <laughs> right. But no, all you have to do is get the right pad, put it back on there, install it properly, and they should not make noise. The days of brake noise and excuses ended about 30 years ago. When they first came out with metallic pads, they had some issues with brake noise because they didn't know about lubricating the pads, didn't know about shims and all that kind of stuff. But the job is done right. They're not going to squeal. And that's just a bunch of hocus pocus they're giving you. So to fix it, you're saying either right pads or do You're going to have to go back with the Ford original equipment pads and install them properly. Make sure all the shims are there. Make sure all the clips are there. Make sure nothing's loose. You got to go back and find out what's wrong because if it's squealing, there's something wrong. Right. So something is not assembled properly. All right, sir. I appreciate it. All righty. Thanks, Don. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Mark online. Good morning, Mark. Hey, how you doing, sir? Doing great, sir. Uh, quick question. About a Jeep Commander 2006. Uh-huh. Uh, he in court. That's what they claim it is. But you know, the water leaks inside up under your dashboard to your floor. Okay. Uh, and I know that job is on, every time I look at it, it's looking at about 400 to 800 bucks. That's a big job, Mark, but you need to make sure that it is the heater core and not the evaporator core. Is the water on the floor sticky, or is it just like water, regular water? It's like regular water. Yeah, it's probably not the heater core. Are you losing coolant? Did you check your reservoir outside? No, I ain't checked none of that. Okay, just... well, check the reservoir. Most likely, it's still going to be full, and it's not the heater core. Most likely, it's the evaporator core. Now, the simplest reason for it to do that is that the down tube on the evaporator drain outside of the truck has fallen off, which is very common. Because when the air conditioner cools the air, it also dehumidifies the air, which pulls water. Water drips into a tray, which drips outside the car. Now, the way that particular vehicle works, the little snout comes out, and it's supposed to be a little rubber elbow on the end of it that turns down. What that does is keeps the road draft under the car from blowing the water back up into the case. Now, what they're real common about doing is that little tube dry rots and falls off. When it does, you're driving 60 miles an hour down the road, the air conditioner's working at full efficiency, water's dripping, but you've got 60 mile an hour wind blowing it back into the case. So it doesn't drip. It overflows the case and drips all over your floor. Okay. So what, what is that you call it again? It's the evaporator core drain. Okay, about a $6 part takes about 10 minutes to change it. Hey, man, so, let me tell you something. Is that better than changing the heater core? Let me say something, man. I don't care what nobody say. You a bad man. There you go. <laughs> hey, man, you knew exactly what hey, everybody was going. You all right with me, man. I all appreciate right. that, man. You saved me some money, There man. you go, Mark. Thank you so okay, much. Okay, man. All right. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. That's one of those things where it can very, very easily misdiagnose something by saying it seems like this. Right. And... It seems like this costs you a grand. <laughs> I want to know how do you know it's that. Right. It's critical thinking skills. We've talked about that on the show a lot of times. 
But you can never go by, well, it seems like this. It seems like it's not getting gas. It seems like it's not. All it's going to do is cost you a fortune. You have That's to have right. some you've facts. Got, you've got to have the knowledge. You've got to have the equipment to diagnose a problem correctly. That's right. And many times it doesn't take a whole lot of equipment. It just takes a man who's going to think a little bit. Uh-huh. For instance, if your heater core is bad, the first thing you're going to need to do is check your coolant level because the coolant reservoirs will go down because that water is dripping in your car. It's got to right. come from somewhere. That is a sealed system. Right. So it shouldn't – the level is going to change between hot and cold. Anyway. Anyway, just because it does, but that is a sealed system. So that level, if you're having to add to it, you've got a leak Now you've got a coolant leak. Well, now we can suspect maybe the heater core, but again, that's a not – A simple test. Yeah, a simple a sam- pressure test, and, and well, you got take, it. Take a sample of it off the carpet. You can tell right. coolant from water. That's right. It's coolant gonna be is sticky. sticky, and it's going to be real – and it's going to have a smell to it. And it's never going to dry up. That's right. Water will eventually dry up. Right. Coolant will have like a sweet smell inside the car as a general rule, and a lot of times you'll also get a film on the inside of your windshield. Exactly. So that's way more likely going to be his evaporator core – overflowing so yeah just one little simple thing like that can save you thousands of dollars yeah oh yeah and easily and plus a squeaking dash for the rest of your life because <laughs> anybody who can't diagnose that can't take that dash out and put it back in right let's go back to our phone lines chuck good morning chuck hey how y'all doing sir doing great, good morning sir. i have a question i don't know if y'all can help me out i got a 2006 f-350 yes, uh, uh-huh and i just spent an enormous amount on the front end they replaced every ball joint Every yes, car rod in. Okay. Uh-huh. They replace the four wheel drive hooks on the outside. Okay. When I hit a small bump, uh-huh. the front wheel literally just goes crazy. Yeah, right. They call, didn't, call they, didn't death change, wobble. they didn't change everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, they didn't, they didn't even change the right things. That's right. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I've spent right. at this point. Yeah. No, that's a very common problem, Chuck. Uh, that's called death wobble. And what will happen, it will shake so violently that you have to slow the truck down or you'll lose control. Sometimes you even have to stop. Yeah, to, and then to start over again to get it to quit. Now, I can tell you, Chuck, what the problem is right now, but that's not going to tell you what caused it to do that. The problem right now is a steering box. What's happened is that the steering gear inside the box is damaged. They replaced it. The- I'm sorry, it's a steering box. Yeah. That's what's causing it. Now, that's not what caused the box to go bad. Okay. Okay. What caused the box to go bad is going to be something loose under the truck or out around tires or something like that. But that death wobble that you're feeling is the steering gear. A lot of times the I-beam brackets where the brackets bolt or riveted to the frame Mm -hmm. will get loose and it lets that I-beam move back and forth, which changes Uh toe considerably on that truck. It'll tear a brand new box up. So if they went and put a rebuilt box and they had probably stopped it for about two weeks and then just tore the box right back up again. It didn't stop it for two weeks. It's well, within a few days. Yeah, and they're right. Let's we'll see what he bought the box. We've had well, a lot of trouble with the, the rebuilt boxes, yep. too. This was through a Ford dealership now. Still rebuilt, man. Okay, but what they want to do now is, you know where you have your suspression shock absorber yep. in front? Okay. What they want to do now is put a kit on Yeah, it let them do that. And try to put two... Uh, put four of them on there. <laughs> it's still going to shake. Yeah, still going to shake. Okay. I tell you, go, go ahead and spend another thousand when you get done with that. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to find out because I don't want to spend yeah. any more money. Well, then and, do what I tell you. Okay. All right. All right, then. All right man. Appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. 499-9526, a number. Yeah, that is a steering box problem. It is the valve in the box. The valve in the box is going to do that. Now, and... that's not why it's necessarily tore up. It could be a set of junk, cheap aftermarket tires. It could be that's... offset aftermarket wheels. That's you right. could have non-hub-centric wheels on it. Those, you could have loose I-beam pivots. You could have all kind of reasons right. you tore the box up. 
Those trucks are twin I-beam trucks, and there is numbers of things that cause it. Yeah, cause it to tear the box up. But right. once the box is tore up, then it's, you'll get the shaking. That's it. There's so, no fixing it. Yeah. Uh, well, unless you fix you got to change the box, fix it, and you got to change the problem. It causes the box to do it, or it's going to keep on doing it. Exactly. It's going to tear so, up another yep, box. You keep on spending money where you're at, that's or you it. can find somebody who knows how to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can maybe catch one more. Neil, can you make it real quick? Yes, sir. I got a 2000 Ford Mercury Sable LS. Uh-huh. That uh, instrument cluster illumination has gone out i don't know how many miles are on it and stuff like that yeah the main gauges are still working it seems to share a fuse with the rear defroster or replace the fuse to no effect yeah they tell me they want eight hundred dollars to replace it's the that. odometer that's out the little led in the odometer doesn't light up or it's just the light bulbs themselves no it's the, the like the trip odometer and yeah. how many miles you got on the car and right stuff. okay, okay. But the, the light bulbs themselves light up. It's still it's illuminated. Still just the LED yeah. portion is not working. Okay. Right. Yeah, most likely if the speedometer is still working and just the odometer is not, it's going to probably be the instrument panel cluster. Okay. Is it fair price, $800 for that? They are pretty expensive. Sometimes, Neil, they can be repaired. There are places on the Internet that you can send it off to that can repair it. And sometimes, depending on what it is, we can repair it in, in our shop. We do the General Motors products all the time. The Fords, you just can't get parts for all of them. So I just have to see it to see if it can be repaired or not. And I'm sorry, I'm just totally out of time. But uh, if that didn't ask the question, just send me an email. There you go. <laughs> go to the website send me an email. Hey, I want to tell everybody how much I appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends and get some more people listening Yeah, and if you don't us. mind, go on iTunes, give us a written rating, and subscribe to the show. That'll move us up in the ratings. And that way more folks can hear about us and we can move on up. There you go. Hey, pre was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.